Hi friends, if you feel depleted and at times overwhelmed searching for more, if you want to reclaim your voice, peace, and power, this show is for you. I'm Evelyn Glick. I love fashion, interior design, and spicy foods. I'm obsessed with personal development and human behavior. Here, I'll be discussing mindset, relationships, lifestyle, and so much more. I believe to live an empowered life, we must crush those limiting beliefs holding us back from stepping into our fabulousness because playing small doesn't serve anyone. Good morning, friends. Today we have a special guest, Roy Biancalana. Did I pronounce that correctly? That's good, Biancalana, right. Best-selling author, relationship coach, and the host of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. Um, nice to have you here today, Roy. Tell me a little bit about what got you into relationship coaching. For personal reasons, actually, I didn't ever really get into coaching you know, like I wanted to do it as a profession. It sort of got into me because... I had such a history of really bad relationships. I mean, I'm like the classic example of someone who professionally has been able to, you know, manage things pretty well, but I wasn't able to make a relationship with a woman work in any consistent way. So I was married for 19 years, right? And that relationship became kind of a platonic co-parenting, you know, functional relationship. We we didn't fight. We didn't have sex. We, we just were like brother, sister. Okay. So that didn't really work for us. And so went through a divorce and then I rebounded, of course, into the dead opposite kind of relationship. Okay. So it was all chemistry. It was all sex. We were together for two and a half years. We were engaged and about six months before the wedding, she dumped me. And that sent me really sort of over the edge. I, I, I went on what I consider to be a, a one-year-long midlife crisis where I couldn't sleep. I had heart palpitations. I just had you know, nervous energy. I, my parenting fell off. My profession fell off. I was just a mess. And not knowing how to deal with all of the grief that I had been avoiding and all the feelings that came up around that, I, I did the only thing I knew how to do, which was just simply survive. And in my mind, that was, well, just join a bunch of dating sites and try to meet somebody new, right? Try to maybe meet somebody new to help you forget about the last one because I was pretty crazy about that girl I was uh, engaged to. And so you can imagine the amount of drama that I caused, you know, joining these dating sites because even though I sort of thought I was available, I really wasn't. I was sort of using those women to help me get over the last one. And I, I don't know if I was, I wasn't really doing that consciously. It was just, I was doing the best I knew how to do but I hurt a lot of women because I wasn't really available and I was saying I was. And so at that point, a friend of mine said something pretty obvious. He's like, Roy, do you think you should talk to someone <laughs> about your love life? Because what was really amazing at that time, and this may be the first insight to really that I kind of want to stress, is that at that time, I really thought that my love life was everybody else's fault. Like it was... Mm you know, my ex-wife did this. Oh, my ex-fiance was this. Oh, the crazy women online, blah, blah, blah. I, it never occurred to me that I was the common denominator in every single picture. Okay. So it, it blows my mind now to see how I didn't look in the mirror. I didn't wonder what I was doing and what, what issues I might have and what blind spots I might have. I just thought it was them, them, them. 
taking responsibility for your own it, exactly it, exactly it, it just never dawned on me that maybe i had some issues to look at but for whatever reason just the grace of the universe i guess i don't know it, it came to me that maybe i needed to look at myself and so i hired a coach and i spent two years now in coaching world that's a long time i spent two years working I, with her i want to yeah i want to interject why a coach another therapist just curious um Probably because I didn't feel that in my mind at the time, I don't know if I thought there was a difference. Now there is a difference, sure. but at the time I was recommended someone who happened to be a coach and I trusted the person recommended. It was my best friend. Um, and he knew this person and I knew of her. It didn't have never really met her, but in my mind, I just needed someone to help me sort of answer the question why is my love life such a mess? I was just going with somebody that I trusted that I thought could help me discover those answers. Had that person pointed me to a therapist that they trusted, I, that's probably who I would have worked with. So I spent two years with this coach and it was so transformative for me. It changed my life so much. The things that I discovered, I did discover that it was me and not them. I did discover that I had blind spots, that I had some childhood conditioning issues, that I had what I call relationship personas. So the work with my coach was so transformative for me that it allowed me to pretty quickly afterwards meet and date and marry an amazing woman. We've been together now for 13 years. When I came out of that, I really recognized that I wanted to do for other people what my coach had done for me. I wanted to help them ask themselves the same questions my coach invited me to ask. Because the transformation that I went through to change the course of my life in terms of my relationships, not just with a woman, but with everybody. But it didn't happen because I was lucky or special. It was that I asked a certain set of questions. I, I looked at myself in particular ways that are transferable. And so what I've experienced over the years as a coach is that if you ask the same questions and do the same things I did, you can have the same results I got because it just isn't special to me. There's just a process of self-awareness and self-growth. and But it begins with the commitment to saying, I no longer want to blame anybody else. Not that my ex-wife or my ex-fiance and other women didn't have issues. We all have issues. It's just that I refused to really focus on them. And I was putting all my attention on what did I not know about myself? And that changed everything. And then, so I'm a coach just to help people. I tell people, I'm like one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. It's like, I just want to show you what I found. I just want to point you in the same direction because I really do believe that you can have the same results that I've gotten. Yes, it always, I feel that with coaching particularly, usually it stems from our own journey, our own traumas that we had to personally heal. And it's better to connect with the clients, right? Because it's, it's knowing the path that you needed to go through to get to the other side. And it always starts with self-discovery. It's the self-reflection that many of us have a hard time doing, even recognizing that, that you need to self-reflect. Right. No, the ego hates that. The ego loves to point the finger and, and basically say that my problems are because of the way I was raised or women or online dating or men or it's it. The ego loves to turn away from responsibility. So it is not a small thing for someone to take ownership and say, 
what am I missing about myself? What do I need to learn? You know, where do I need to dig around in my own soul to discover why I'm attracting these patterns, why I'm getting into drama, why I'm not able to connect in a healthy, sustainable way. It's not a small thing to look at yourself in the mirror. And, but no change happens unless we do that. Yes. We're not discounting the fact that in relationships, a relationship, I believe, is made of two people, but it only takes one to destroy it, right? Not necessarily two people in the relationship destroy. One person can be showing up and doing their thing and the other one not really contributing to it. So it's really to sustain it, I believe is made of two, two people working on themselves and each other. Correct me if I'm wrong. Certainly it takes two people, you know, to commit to working on themselves and working on their relationship, right? So if one person is just not interested in learning and growth, Mm. if they have no curiosity about themselves and the other person does, they're, they're playing different games, right? They're, they're, they're approaching their lives in different ways. But having said that, the dynamics that happen between people, whether it's cheating or just a lack of communication or some sort of drama or problem are always co-created. There, there isn't a situation where, where I am showing up in this most evolved and healthy way and the problem is because of you, right? So that's a victim mentality. That, that means I'm at the effect of someone else. So whatever dynamics are going on in your life, whether it's with a sibling or with a parent or a child or with a loved one, whatever that dynamic is, you have a part in what is happening and how that is being, how that situation is being created as much as the other person. You just yes. might not know what your part is. Right? So that's what it means to take responsibility is I look at my results and I say, I am 100% responsibility for what I'm experiencing. It's not happening to me. It's happening by me. And then, of course, then you need a healthy dose of curiosity to say, well, how am I doing this to myself? How am I creating this? Why am I choosing partners that cheat? What do I get out of that? What's, what's, What's the unconscious thing going on where I'm choosing people that are emotionally unavailable or, you know, have addictions or whatever the dynamic might be. That might be something we talk about here a little bit uh, because that was my experience. Um, if I can just say for a second, I, my pattern was attracting women who, who were professionally very successful, very busy. They made a lot of money. They had a lot of responsibility and they were so overwhelmed with their careers that the rest of their life was sort of chaotic and unmanageable. The women I met had children from a former relationship and they had a household to manage and children to raise in this big career. And they were just overwhelmed. They were just stressed out. And I had a dynamic from my childhood where I sort of learned that the way you get a woman to pay attention to you, to give you attention or affection was to make your life be about taking care of them. So I had this persona that I call Roy the Rescuer, okay? That the way you get love is by rescuing and taking care of and ignoring your own wants and your own needs and and just devoting your life to taking care of someone else's. I learned that between me and my mother. So I ended up attracting women who were what I call damsels in distress. They needed rescuing. They needed Superman to swoop in and say, baby, I'll raise your kids. I'll clean your house. I'll cook the meals. I'll do the shopping. I'll take the kids to tutoring. I'll do everything. You know, all you got to do is 
do some things my ex-wife never wanted to do with me, which is have sex, right? Okay. So I created these codependent relationships where, and that was my pattern that I discovered. Right. But that pattern, if you were my client, I would definitely dive into your relationships with your parents and your upbringing Mm -hmm. and how that codependency probably goes way back. Yeah. Well, right. The way I got close to my mother was if mama wasn't happy, nobody was happy. So a little boy wants to be close to his mother. It's in a sense, you could say it's your first girlfriend. It's your first experience with, for me as a, as a, a man, my first experience with a feminine being was with my mother. And so I learned dynamics there. You know, the way I got attention, affection, the way I felt warmth from her was when my life was about doing what she wanted me to do and taking care of her and making sure mommy's happy and so forth. And so I learned that dynamic and now I'm 40, 45 years old and I'm relating with women and I have that dynamic where I'm relating with them in a way of, I'm here to take care of you. Like you're, you're not able to take care of yourself. And so I kept attracting women who were these overwhelmed damsels in distress because I saw myself as this rescuer. That was what I discovered in coaching was that was my pattern. That was my persona, this being a rescuer thing. And I've since come to see that it's very common, unbelievably common. Yes, there's different patterns, right? For you, it was oh, yes. was being rescued for others is perhaps being the dependent one. You know, yeah. we, we all play roles in our relationships and, and recognize right. We don't have to, right. We don't have to. <laughs> right. And recognizing- Just Waking well, up to your role, right? Right. And recognizing the patterns that need to be dismantled in order to get into relationships that are healthier. Right, right. You have to know the role that you're playing because- whatever role you're playing, the law of attraction would say you attract a reciprocal role, right? So if I see myself as this rescuer, that the only way I can get attention and affection from women is by making my life be about taking care of them, then I always would attract women who need to be taken care of. And so understanding that dynamic and breaking free of those roles is the way then you can attract a relationship that is not codependent, that is healthy and sustainable because those relationships are not really sustainable because they're all built on fear. I mean, I was afraid that if I wasn't Mr. Mom, no woman would ever want me. You know, and by the way, doing things in a relationship and raising kids and cleaning the house and doing laundry, it's great. Just that I was doing it because I was afraid if I didn't, she wouldn't want to have sex with me. She wouldn't want me as her boyfriend. I felt like I had to do that stuff to get her attention and affection. So that's all messed up, right? That's all fear-driven types of things. I just didn't know that that's what what was operating in my life. I just knew I kept attracting those kind of weird dynamics with women. Mm. And if I can add a little bit of my story, I used to be very afraid of commitment. So I would obviously attract commitment-phobic men and always do the blaming that, well, he doesn't want to commit. Deep down, I was, I was drawn to men that wouldn't commit because I was not ready. It was convenient. Right. Oh, it was what you. I attracted. It was very interesting coming a full circle when I did all that self-discovery and realizing, you know, sometimes Beautiful. you attract, and also with cheating, you attract the cheaters for a reason, right? It's yeah. almost easier to be in relationships with cheaters because you know, it's not going to be the long term. Right. You've done your work. I mean, that's that's the best coach, I think. People that have pra- are practicing what they preach. It's not something they learn in a university or something. This is down in the dirt reality of life stuff that I think makes the biggest difference. And isn't self-discovery the best? It's the best investment you can do to yourself. Yeah, waking up. It's waking, waking up, up and realizing. Seeing your stuff. 
Yes. And it doesn't mean, you know, it's important to tell the listeners, it's not to beat yourself down about it or be really hard on yourself. It's the opposite of that is recognizing what needs to be evolved or improved or accepted and just finding the ways to heal. Right, right. Yes. It's not about self-blame and self-judgment and self-loathing. It's not about discovering things about yourself and then hating yourself. It's about just curiosity about what is my part in what's happening in my life. And then having the aha moments and recognizing that you you weren't aware of it. How do you blame yourself for something you weren't aware you were doing? I mean, you, you didn't know it. That's why one of my favorite sayings of Jesus was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Right? It was like, he sort of understood that people do stuff and they don't know, they don't know what they're doing. They don't, they're not aware. They don't, they don't see it. So and he's like, so forgive them, right? So that's how we need to be with ourselves. You know, Father, forgive me. I didn't know what I was doing, but now I see. Yeah, waking up to that and seeing it with some self-compassion, like, dude, you were just lost. I mean, you didn't you didn't know how your relationship with your mother was affecting your entire love life and you were playing out all that conditioning. But that's what it means to become a conscious person. You you wake up, you become aware of your stuff. And then once you see it, then you have the power to choose. You have the power to show up in different ways. You have the power to to really look at the roles that we play, like Roy the Rescuer, and say, what's that about? I was able to find a more authentic expression of who I was rather than all these fear-based ways. And that's what the viewer has an opportunity to do. Someone who's been there can hold the space for someone to look at themselves, to wonder, to have the aha moments. And then life just changes. And dig deep, Yeah. right? Regardless of how scary it is. What is the biggest mistake you see people make in in the pursuit of intimacy? Well, we've already talked about it. It's sort of like, it's putting your attention on them, right? So as a relationship coach, I often get people coming to me and they're basically saying, where do I find them? Where do I find my life partner? Where do I go? What do I say? How do I approach? So the attention is them, 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 right? And that's the biggest mistake because them are always a reflection of you. So when the biggest challenge I face sometimes with my clients is helping them to sort of drop those secondary questions. I mean, where to meet someone and how to approach someone and what to say. Okay. Th- those, those are important factors. They're just not the real, they're not the first thing you should be looking at. The first thing is me. What am I missing about me? How am I responsible for my patterns and what am I missing about me? So getting a person to kind of get away from how do I find my partner to looking at themselves saying, am I in the kind of what I call, am I in good enough relationship shape so that I can go the distance? Just imagine you want to be a health freak and fitness freak and you want to run in a triathlon and imagine I'm a triathlon coach. Okay. So you come to me and a person starts asking me questions about the triathlon. How do you survive in the water in the beginning when it's a frenzy? And how do you make the transition from the water to the bike? And you know, when do you eat? Cause it's an all day thing. When do you eat? How much water do you drink? You know, when do you speed up in the race? When do you slow down? And as a coach, I'm hearing all these questions and I'm like, man, you're asking me all kinds of questions about race day, like strategy on how to do the race. And I'm like, dude, if you're not in shape for this race, are you in shape to swim two and a half miles and bike 112 and then run a full marathon back? Are you in the right physical condition? because that's the most important thing. You got to be in shape. Otherwise, 
you're not going to go the distance. That's what I found in our love lives. People ask about race day. Like, what do I do where I'm on the starting line, standing right in front of someone? And are you relationally fit enough to create something healthy and sustainable? That's the biggest question and the biggest mistake people make is they think about them and they don't say, do I need to get my, what I am? I've, I have identified seven relationship muscles. Perhaps we can talk about a couple of them, but are, are my relationship us. muscles strong enough to go the distance? Okay, well, a couple of the ones that are the, the juiciest and usually the most common. One of your relationship muscles is your relationship to your past, okay? You know, your childhood and dating and relationships and whether you've been betrayed or deceived or dumped or ghosted or gaslighted or just broken up with or been through a divorce, you, you have a past. You, you had things happen to you. The question is, is the past something that happened or is it happening, right? For most people, the past stays alive in us and it creates a wall of protection. I would just guess that since you've mentioned a fear of commitment, that was because of something happened in the past that made you afraid to have an open, vulnerable heart because last time you did that, it got crushed, right? So you had to deal with your past. You had to maybe let that go, reframe it, understand it, find forgiveness for them, for yourself, because you're never going to be able to connect in an intimate relationship if your heart is guarded and suspicious, if you have trust issues, commitment issues, right? That's all about the past. That's usually one of the biggest things that people have to look at is how is my past standing between me and a healthy relationship? Because we can project what happened. Like, let's just say you're a woman and you've been cheated on by the last four guys that you've been close to. So here I come. Aren't you going to assume I'm going to cheat on you too? (laughs) Or aren't you going to be worried like the last four guys cheated on me? I bet you you're a cheater too. So you're going to probably keep me at arm's length. You're going to probably want me to prove myself to you. You're going to you're going to be a little suspicious. You may make the relationship progress slower than maybe it should because you're afraid. I'm going to feel that resistance. I might not know what it is, but I'm going to feel like, man, I can't reach her. And that's a turnoff, right? Because right, if I feel that resistance, I'm just going to go to that girl over there who looks like she's just wide open to play, right? right. So we have to do the work on our past and ask ourselves, how is my past sabotaging my thinking, my ability to trust, my ability to be vulnerable, appropriately vulnerable, right? There are boundaries, right? But the sexiest thing in the world to a good man is a woman whose heart is open, playful, vulnerable, sensual. She has a fierceness to her. So a vulnerable heart doesn't mean that you're a pushover and that you're going to be taken advantage of. It just means that you have no fear of being hurt. You have no fear from the past. You've just let that go. And now you can meet this new person with a truly open, available heart, like a meet a person with a clean slate. I'm not going to hold you responsible for what they did, right? So that sabotages us, right? So that's a major piece of work that we have to do. The other one is your relationship to your inner truth. Okay, so I often ask this stupid question, like, and I'll ask it to the viewer. Would you rather be in a relationship that was characterized by authenticity and transparency and openness and honesty? Or do you want to be in a relationship that's characterized by playing games and manipulation and half-truths and lying and deceitfulness? Right? And everyone's like, no, I want an authentic relationship. Duh. Okay, great. 
but most people don't know what that actually means. Being in an authentic relationship means that you relate what I call nakedly. You don't keep secrets. You don't hide yourself. You don't play games. In other words, you reveal your inner truth. Too many of us go into the dating world and it's like, I'll show you this part, but you can't see that. You can't see that. You can't see that. Like, I'm going to meet this new girl, but I don't want her to know that mm, sometimes I have a temper or sometimes maybe I drink too much or sometimes maybe I, whatever it might be. I want to show this person, you know, the things that I think will get me liked and maybe get me a second date. And I, I'm not going to reveal the parts of me that, that I think maybe I might get rejected for or judged for. So when you play that sort of game like that, that image management, you end up attracting people who, who are playing the game with you also. They're not showing you their real selves. Um, so I often use that, that story, that mythical story from the Bible, you know, where Adam and Eve are together. And it says they were in the garden, they were naked and unashamed. And they're free. And there was no shame. They were seeing each other like, oh, I see you. I see all the parts of you. And I, I love you as you are. Right. I'm sorry to interject. I think it comes from fear. It's much oh, easier to show totally. your, your fabulous parts than right. the ones that are not so fabulous. Right. And I think to slow down a little bit of what you're saying, it doesn't mean that you have to, I think relationships are a little bit like, like a buffet. You don't have to have it all in one sitting. Right. And you don't have to tell the person on your first date that you got molested and that you have a drinking problem and all that. No, no. Showing up authentically, correct me if I'm wrong, but for me, is showing up who you are every step of the way. Yeah. If I can, if I can reveal to you this much today because I'm comfortable, it feels truthful. This is what I'm getting back from you energetically. If you it, it feels comfortable and good for me at this point, fine. It's like, again, it's like a buffet. You don't have to have everything in one sitting. You can have a tasting there. And then as the relationship escalates and gets more profound and the trust and the love is built, absolutely. But what you can do, I think it's hide parts of yourself because you fear that you're going to be left because eventually those parts will come out. So it's about, it's about revealing what you're comfortable with at the time, but never reveal what's not truthful and authentic to you. Right. I could not agree with that more. Um, Relationships go through stages, right? So no way on a first date do you tell someone how much money you make or how much debt you have, or if you were molested as a child, it's just not appropriate for the level of the relationship, right? Correct. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. We need to include that caveat. Otherwise people misunderstand what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the present moment, when you're with someone, do you let them know what's going on in Royville as I'm talking to you? Like, do you let them know what kind of body sensations you're having? What kind of emotions you're experiencing? What thoughts you're having? What you want? Like, are you making your, your inner truth? Are you making yourself known in that way? So is really yeah, basically but, opening yeah. up at that moment for who you are. Let me just make up a scenario. Okay. So you're on a first date with a guy um, and you're meeting at some restaurant bar, you know, and you're together for a while and he's, he just ordered his third drink and you're sitting over there. You're like in your head, you're just like, wow, ah, third drink. I, want, I wonder if this guy's got a drinking problem. Um, I'm not really comfortable with how much he's drinking. Okay. You want an authentic relationship? You ask. 
you look at them and you say, I notice when you ordered your third drink, I felt a little tightness in my stomach and I had this emotion of fear come up. And the thought was, I wonder if this guy's got a drinking problem because I don't want to be in a relationship with someone that's got a drinking problem. And I just want you to know that's what happened over here when you ordered that drink. So you're not trying to change his behavior. You're not judging him. You're just saying, when you did that, here's what happened here, right? It just, it just, I just, I just got wigged out over here when you did that. So <laughs> you want to be authentic? Well, are you willing to say that? It just call me neurotic. I'm just telling you, that's what happened over here when you did that. Or a person's short with the server, you know, and they're kind of a little snippy or, and you're like, Ooh, that was, that was kind of a turnoff. I, I don't, I didn't really like the way he handled that server. Are you going to say it? You know, I just noticed that when you were sort of short there, I, that was a turnoff for me. I, I didn't like that. I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, is that the way you, you roll? Right. So that's the stuff I'm talking about is being truthful. Right. But most of us are afraid, boy, if I was to say that, oh, he's going to think I'm neurotic and needy and he's going to walk out the door or he's going to think I'm high maintenance and, you know, blah, 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 or, you know, but if you want to be an authentic person, what you're basically saying is I want to show up and I just want to be real with this guy. And if he likes who I am, whether I'm neurotic or not, who isn't neurotic? We're all neurotic and we're all messed up. Okay. So either I'm going to say, this is me, (laughs) this is what happens here. And I'm just going to trust that if you don't like me, then we're not a good fit, but I don't want to hide my, my neuroticness, or I don't want to hide my judgmentalness, or I don't want to hide my insecurity because I'm afraid if you knew that about me, that you wouldn't like me because then whatever relationship develops, you're never going to feel secure because you're always going to be thinking like, if he finds out about that part of me, like, in other words, he's falling in love with the part you're showing him. And then you never get to feel secure. Correct. But if you're like, all right, so this is all of me. And when you did that, I felt really insecure about that. Or I kind of had a judgmental thought that you've got a drinking problem. That's, that's the noise going on over here. And he's like, thank you. I appreciate you being honest about that. Let's have a conversation about that. But we're so afraid of, of making ourselves known. Um, And then we play the games and then our relationships are not really built on truth and honesty. And then they just get messed up. Yes. Yeah. It's revealing certainly how you feel at every given moment. Yeah. And it can go both ways, right? The guy can say, of course you are judging me and and you're no fun because I want to have that. Actually, I was thinking of having a fourth drink. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. But you know what? Be thankful that that's happening at that moment. And not 10 years down the line when you have suppressed all your feelings because you haven't had a voice. You talked about before what, what's really attractive. And I think there's nothing sexier than someone who is confident and really in who, in who you are, which doesn't mean you, you love all the parts of yourself, but, but this is who I am and this is what I stand for. And I respect what you stand for and just, just give me who you are. And yeah. this is who I am. And if you are accepting of that and we can make this work great, but I'm not giving you a false image of, of who I am basically. Yeah. Yep. And the real work to get to that kind of freedom to be that kind of just no fear of being found out. The only way is when you feel that you're already in a relationship with life itself. Like I'm already in an intimate relationship. I'm already married. I'm already connected to life itself. And so therefore, if you don't like me, it's okay. Because most of us feel kind of separate and lonely. Most of us feel 
we're needy to some extent. We, we want a relationship. We feel like I, I want someone to share my life with. I, I, I want someone to experience the highs and the lows with because we don't feel connected already to life itself. So we see a lot of our happiness is, is wrapped up in the intimate relationship. And so because we're, there's so much at stake, now we got to play the game because I, I can't afford for this guy to walk away or for this girl to walk away. But the more that you're grounded and you're, you're already married, <laughs> you're already one with life or with God or whatever you want to call it, the more that you're resting in that, then it's like, I don't need you. Oh, I'd love to play with you. I, I'd love to be in relationship with you and we can both grow together, but I don't, I don't need you. Therefore, I'm just going to show you who I am. <laughs> And if you don't like it, fine. It's okay if we're not a good fit, if we're not compatible, if you know if we operate by different values, I, that's totally fine. I'll, I'll wait for someone who sits in front of me and says, I see all of you and I, I love what I see, right? So you, you only can get to that kind of freedom and that freedom from any fear and freedom from playing games if you've done the deeper, what I call spiritual work of finding your connection to something that's far deeper than that person sitting across from you. Because if you need them, you can't be free. You, you can't be yourself. You're going to try to control the outcome and control what you say and control your image and that kind of stuff. So even though we just talk about, you know, authenticity, it sounds simple. It sounds, well, yeah, we all want to be honest. Uh, but when you get really into it, it's a profoundly, deeply spiritual experience yes. to be an authentic person. Yes. Yeah. I think it's really about falling in love with yourself first, mm -hmm. finding that inner strength so that whatever shows up in your life, whether it's good or bad, you're able to navigate that and understand and, and have relationships that thrive and have relationships that you recognize don't work. Close that chapter and be able to heal from that and grow to another one. So it's, it's really interesting because it does not mean that relationships won't be complex. Mm -hmm. But if two people show up authentically, honestly, giving it their all with all their imperfections, it's more likely to thrive. Very much so. Yeah, I could not agree more. You, you mentioned two muscles. Give me one more muscle and then I want you to tell me about your free gift. Okay. Another one is what I call your relationship to love itself. Okay. So all the muscles are relationships to your mind. Your relationship to your emotions is another one your relationship to your inner energy, your aliveness. And then there's one I call your relationship to love itself. And by that, I mean, all of us grew up in some sort of family, early childhood environment that has left an impression on us about what does it mean? To, what does it mean to be in love or to be in intimacy, to be in relationship? In other words, you come out of your childhood with all kinds of what I call love stories. So you might grow up in a home, a real traditional kind of home where what the man says go and the you know says goes and the woman is submissive and isn't that. And you recognize your love story is all oh, loves about power, about who's mm. got it and who doesn't, right? And you can go into life thinking, well, that's what intimacy is. It's about power. And therefore, you might not, a lot of resistance to relationship might be because you don't want to dominate, nor do you want to be dominated. But since that's what it is, well, then maybe relationships aren't for me. And then you just choose partners where it won't go anywhere and that kind of thing. So, or love can be about compromise. 
My dad didn't really be and do what he wanted. He compromised some decisions and directions and dreams, or my mom compromised decisions. Direct Love is about both parties losing. <laughs> they worked together so both of them could be more of who they are. I saw them be together and they were both less than who they wanted to be. Good point. I like that. It's like people who say, I want to be with someone who completes me. Ooh, yeah. be careful with that. Right. You right. have to start a relationship being completed right. and feeling whole. That's the story I call love is heaven. Like love is going to save me. Love is going to complete me, make me feel whole. No, it's not. Um, you're asking a life partner to be a life source and life partners are lousy life sources. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a great guy, but I ain't God, right? But luckily we've both done that work. Love is compromise. Love is power. How about love is performance? You grew up in a family where you got love when you achieved athletically, artistically, musically. So you're like, love is about kind of competition. Love is about, you know, performing. So you can have these, and there's like, I think I have seven or eight of them listed in my book, uh, Relationship Bootcamp. These are all stories that are not true. They might've been true in your childhood, but what happens is because that's what we, it's the fishbowl we grew up in. We just assume, well, that's what love is. No, it's not. Like you might've grown up and love is about being smothered. You know what I mean? Like, or control smothered. And there's a lot of people who are secretly afraid of a relationship, even though they say they want one because they feel like I'm going to lose my autonomy. I'm going to lose control over myself, my time, my money, my schedule, my hobbies. I'm going to get smothered, that kind of stuff, because that's what you witnessed. Okay, fine. I get that you witnessed that. But is it true? I'm in a relationship mm -hmm. where I can do anything that I want. I am not smothered at all. Now, I've agreed on myself. I don't want to. I want a monogamous relationship. I'm not doing it for her. I'm doing it because that's the way I want to be in the world but I'm not giving up other women. But my point is I'm not smothered at all. My wife is not smothered at all. I want her to be and do everything that she wants to be and do. Oh my Lord, I, I don't want to stand between you and who you want to be. A healthy relationship is when people are together and they're more likely to be what they want to be because they're together rather than apart. If I could be a better version of Roy being single, I would be single, but I yes. can be a better version of Roy because she's in my life. And I want that to be vice versa. So love does not have to be smothering and controlling. It's not about compromise. It's not about power. It's not about performance. It doesn't have to be. So you can rewrite your love story is my point. You can identify it and rewrite it. And that often is the gateway to real breakthroughs in people's lives because we do sabotage ourselves, right? We, we go through life with our foot on the gas pedal. I want a relationship. I want my love life to move forward. We're hitting the gas, hitting the gas, but the car's not moving. Right. And I'm like, the car's not moving because your other foot's on the brake and your other foot's on the brake because secretly or unconsciously you think love is smothering. Love is about power. And so you won't let love flow. You're like, why am I single? Why do I meet people that aren't really available? It's because your foot's on the brake. You're doing it to yourself. A healthy relationship, it's about two people being free to be all they want to be. Yeah. And if you can't be that way, you're with the wrong person. Yes. If that person limits you, isn't yeah. supportive of what you want to be, you're right. not, you're not your full of self. No. You're giving up a part of yourself. You're abandoning 
parts of yourself. And that's going to lead into a whole series. I mean, we need, we need seven hours for that alone. (laughs) It's really being free to be all you can be. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me what your free gift is. And I like always uh, finishing the podcast with three rapid questions. Yeah. Okay, great. My free gift is, is it's fantastic, but it takes some bravery. Kind of call, I'm a relationship coach, but I, I kind of call myself a relationship trainer because I'm all about getting people in relationship shape, getting their relationship muscles strong. You come to me and say, Roy, I want to create this healthy, sustainable, intimate, beautiful relationship. Okay, that's where you want to go. Well, let's do some assessments and sort of find out what kind of relationship shape you're in right now and what muscles are doing pretty good and what muscles need a little work. So my free gift is something called the relationship fitness self-assessment test, but it's, it's a 30 question, true, false test takes you about three to five minutes to take it. You get your results immediately. They are absolutely confidential. Even I don't see your results. Okay. But you take this 30 question thing and it's, it's gonna, it's very accurate. (laughs) It's going to put you in one of five categories. Okay. And I I use them playfully one, you're either going to be ripped which means you're in relationship shape, go kill it, okay? Or maybe you're skinny fat. You're looking okay, <laughs> but you, you, you know what I mean? Or you're overweight or you're unhealthy. Or I took my own test from the mentality that I had before I worked with my coach. My wife did too, because she had some drama in her life before I met her too. And I became in the last category, dangerously wow. out of shape. So it made sense because look at my love life. It was a mess. Of course I was out of shape, right? So- So there's a good chance that you need to get in better shape, but where are you starting from? So you take that test and you get your results. And with your results, I'm going to send you recommendations for every level, whichever one you fall into, you're going to get recommendations on what to do. So I don't just diagnose you and then leave you hanging. No, you're going to do this and do this and do this to address whatever the issues are. So it's just a beautiful opportunity to become self-aware, like how most of us either we overestimate, like that's my tendency. Like I'm, I think I'm God's gift to the world, right? Kids, that big giant freaking ego. Other people go the other way. Oh, I'm the worst. I'm horrible, right? The truth is somewhere in the middle there. So this test kind of gets you out of your preconceived notions about who you are and it gives you an accurate look. That's so wonderful. Then you go out there and say, let's dance, baby. Thank you, Roy. Um, so our three rapid questions. The world needs more people willing to do their inner work and become self-aware, self-aware. Happiness to me is surrendering to the present moment as it is without resistance. I like that. And I want to be remembered for doing my best to wake up to my egoic self-sabotaging patterns. Mm, Waking up. Yeah. Thank you so much, Roy, for your time. Tell the listeners where we can find you. So we'll go to your website. Yep. Coachingwithroy.com. Everything's there. Yeah. I have a podcast, the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. Um, I've written three books. <laughs> They're all on Amazon. That's so, wonderful. But, but coachingwithroy.com has got yeah everything. My phone number's on the front page, right to my cell phone number. Call me. I offer a free exploratory coaching session to anyone who's interested in what I do. No pressure. Let's just have a conversation to discover if we're a good fit and so forth. Thank you so much. This was a wonderful conversation, Rory. We'll be in touch. Okay. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.